So the first topic I think we wanted to talk about is, uh, you know, there's been an outbreak of all these preventable diseases. I, I know you're the expert. And, well, let me introduce you first. You are Dr. I, I am Dr. Surad Sugger. I'm the Chief Infectious Disease here at Holy Name Medical Center, and I'm trying to do my best, uh, along with the other doctors, of uh, getting rid of some of these preventable diseases. And if, uh, you know, talking specifically microbes, viruses, bacteria, funguses, and other things. So you're a doctor of contagious diseases, is that how you? Uh, one could say. One, one could say. say communicable absolutely. diseases? Communicable, absolutely. You're listening to Recommended Daily Dose with Drs. Clinton Coleman and Suraj Sugar, the not-so-average health show with a unique spin on what's making headlines in healthcare. I'm Dr. Clinton Coleman. I'm an internal medicine doctor who you know, does kidney disease on the side. We, we both practice at Holy Name Medical Center in Teaneck, New Jersey. So, um, so what do you think about this? There's you know, this, this talk about you know, preventing, prevention and flu shots, and there's been a lot of backlash. Have you heard of this anti-vaxxer? So let, let's take a step back. Uh, you know, when patients ask me, hey, you know, should I get vaccinated, should I not? I think people are always interested in treating disease, but, you know, my job, especially in the public health realm, infectious disease oftentimes involved with public health, is really preventing disease. And so if you add everything up in terms of interventions, man, bypass, all these fancy surgical things, uh, other medications, and add up all the lives it saves, it still wouldn't equal the amount of lives saved with vaccines. Other than maybe safe water, there's been no other uh, invention in the 20th century moving forward that saved as many lives. So. This hits home personally for me. Right. But, you know, the issue is there's been a lot of backlash with vaccines, right? It, but so, why the backlash? That, that's the question. You know? that, one, I think it's hard to sell prevention, right? So if you're healthy, it's hard to sell that. But also, you know, with this, this movement, with, the, you know, this, this, this name, anti-vaxxer, sounds like an alt-rock band. But, you know, they, <laughs> they've made it a point to tell you know, parents, how bad these vaccines are. Well, the problem is a lot of these people are people without necessarily medical knowledge. Right. Uh, and as we know, a little knowledge is dangerous. Oftentimes they're celebrities, whatever that means. And what they have to do with public health and health care is unclear, but people oftentimes jump on this bandwagon. And in some cases, vaccines have been vilified. And unjustly, let's repeat that, unjustly so. So we're talking right in the, in the height of uh, flu season. And what do you oftentimes hear from internal medicine patients that come in the office, Doc, I've never gotten a vaccine before. And what do they say? say I don't want the flu shot. I don't want the side effects. Flu right. shot gives me the flu. Right. I've never gotten a vaccine. And I've never gotten the flu. So why is that? Well, you know, there's this thing of herd immunity. And if I break it down really in basic terms, if everyone else in your community gets the vaccine, well, then guess what? you're not going to, uh, even if you don't get the vaccine, you won't get the disease. That's not because you're lucky. It's just because other people are more responsible in getting the vaccination. Now, when that vaccination rate drops in the community, like we're seeing in Washington State with the measles uh, outbreak, well, guess what? Now we have these preventable diseases all of a sudden coming back. So you're saying there's a correlation with vaccination rates and outbreaks? Correct, 100%. And, you know, that's why the average person who will tell you, well, gee, I never got the vaccine, but I never got the disease, so why do I need it? It's because... Other people in the community were more, uh, shall we say, uh, responsible, and they got vaccinated. But when that herd immunity, that's what it's called, drops uh, to a certain So what number? Level, what number are we talking about? You know, so we look at Washington State, about 8% now uh, of people are opting out. So 8% of people are not vaccinated. Are not getting vaccinated. So it's usually around 4 or 5% where we see that increased rates. If you can get, so in other words, if about 95% or greater of the population are getting the vaccine, then that 5% who is not being vaccinated is protected by that herd immunity. But as that number drops, uh, as that number increases in terms of people dropping out, like in Washington State, well, I think the governor recently 
uh, declared a state of emergency in relation to uh, measles outbreak. So this is a huge thing. And then we have to, you know, our job here is really to give out information. So where is this anti-vaxxer, anti-vaccine propaganda, if you will? So it lives on social media. So it's in Facebook, uh, Twitter, all that stuff. Correct, and I right. think it preys on, you know, parents who probably don't have as much, you know, medical background or information about the kids. It, it preys on fear, so. It preys on fear. And, you know, we understand, parents especially, uh, with kids, they're, they're concerned. Uh, they want to do the best thing for their child. And uh, they oftentimes view these vaccines as foreign substance being introduced into the kid's body. So that's, that's why I think my idea would work. So we go around, like when you go to vaccines on the playground, maybe. When you and, do missions, when yeah. you do missions, they have like doctors going and giving vaccines. Well, you know, it's funny you mention that because uh, you're we're doing it in jest. But to be honest, what we do here in the hospital and other hospitals around is we actually have a cart going from floor to floor to make sure that all the nursing staff and healthcare providers are being vaccinated. Because it, look, this is not just parents who are not vaccinating their kids. There's plenty of, uh, unfortunately, doctors, nurses, other people who also are refusing to get vaccinated. They're not understanding the importance. I mean, I think we see it just interacting with other uh, healthcare staff that surprisingly people with medical knowledge still are misinformed. So imagine the general public who doesn't have the, be- the medical knowledge perhaps that others do. Right. They uh, hear things like autism and they're scared away. Is, is there a link? I mean, it's, so look, it's never is, been linked been to autism. This has been disproved time and time again. There's a couple of B-level actresses who will remain nameless who started this whole idea of vaccines. That's a shot. And autism. Uh, but this has been disproved over and over again. However, said that once this gets ingrained in the public, you know how it is. Right. Uh, it's old habits die hard. So how do we fix that? How do you sell prevention? So listen, this is where I don't like to just throw out stats, but this is where the stats come in. I mean, again, out of all the interventions in modern medicine, they would equal just the amount of lives saved by vaccines. So do you mandate this? Like everyone, has, is, to, everyone has to have that car insurance. That is a tricky situation. You know, listen, everyone has to have home, homeowner's insurance. Right. This is a, you know, a social problem. So, right. you know, in schools, you see, you know, kids. Well, we live in America after all. So, you know, people right. are fiercely independent. So no one is going to want to have big brother uh, government mandating health care. Right. But your lack of getting vaccinated will affect well, me. And that's what whether it's have financially to. or. Or not only that, who are the people who are the most to lose? It's the most vulnerable in our society. Right. right? The very young, the very old and those that are immunocompromised. In other words, Patients who have cancer, who are getting chemotherapy, who are immune systems that are depressed for whatever reason because of medication otherwise. These are the ones. So you're walking around, you have the flu, you feel bad, you go to the mall, no big deal. You cough, you sneeze. Someone who's very young, very old, uh, touches a doorknob, an elevator button, what have you. They go home, they get sick, and guess what? You're laying on the couch just watching TV, they go home and die. And that's not uh, scare tactics, that's the reality. Remember, any given year, 40,000 people die of influenza alone. Last year, 2017, 18, 80,000 people died, including over 150 kids. So this is not a benign thing. And every time I give this stat, whether it's a, a patient or it's a healthcare provider or just a friend at a cocktail party, they can't believe it. You know, they'll say the same thing. People die of the flu. It's, this is something that we have to do a better job as physicians. Hopefully getting information out here on this podcast, people will listen up and understand this is a serious thing that affects them, their family, but also affects the community at large. Right, and it's still not too late, right? You can still get your flu shot until so when, March? I, I tell people, get it usually by October. Give some time for the uh, immunity to build up. Usually the peaks around February. There's still plenty of time uh, to get your flu shot. It's never too late, and I highly recommend you do. Now, of course, you're going to come back and say, well, hey, doc, I got the flu shot and I got the flu. Right. Well, guess what? You have a much milder course of disease if you, versus if you never got the flu shot to begin with. 
And you start to build up immunity year to year every time you get the flu vaccine. Is that right? Well, the tricky thing, this flu vaccine, this flu influenza we're talking about, virus, has been around for a long time. Probably longer than, than us. Right. Just like a lot of bacteria are older than us, and good chance they'll be here even when we're gone. They have the ability to mutate uh, very quickly. So for now, every year, until we get a universal flu vaccine, we have to constantly get this seasonal influenza vaccination. So every year, you have to remember to get immunized. You'd be surprised how many people are confused. Well, I got it last year. Why do I need it this year? Well, every year, the flu mutates. And every year in March, we look at what's happening in the Southern Hemisphere and then uh, decide... Australia, right? Right. So we look what happened during their winter and try to estimate, some would say guesstimate, some years better than others, what the strains of influenza will be here in our winter. And then we make an idea, put those, uh, given that idea and given the best educated uh, estimation by experts around the world, we put those strains of the virus in the vaccine. And some years are better than others, but it's our best protection that we have right now. Remember, always, as we say, prevention is better than a cure. So prevention is better than uh, treatment. Cure would be great, but we're still some ways away from a universal flu vaccination. So we need this seasonal flu vaccination. So go out, get your flu shots. It's not too late. And please, please, please understand the importance of not and the implications if you don't get your influenza vaccine. Well said, well said. So now moving on, I think, um, I don't know if you heard about this groundbreaking study. Did you hear about this? Uh, it, well, you know, you're the man with the groundbreaking studies. Tell me So it, it links regular fried chicken consumption with a 13% increased risk of uh, premature death. So they define regular fried chicken consumption as one serving per week, which doesn't sound a lot to so me. So I tell you what, I grew up in southern Maryland, Delmarva Peninsula. And a typical diet there is corn on the cob in the summer and fried chicken. We sometimes say Delmarva's fried chicken. Now, I don't think it's too much of a leap to say that's not that surprising. 13% risk of death? But that's, so that's huge. So it, does this related, let's, let's take a step back. Is this related to the fat content of the chicken? Because I tell you what, I usually eat grilled chicken. And I'm not going to lie to you, it gets boring after a while. It's being fried. So I'll talk about that later, but it's what's it fried in, right? So... You know, the Western diet is heavy on corn oil, right, as, as, versus the Mediterranean diet, which is more olive oil. So I love some good olive oil, yeah. So, the, you know, the trans fats and the, you know, the bad oils are, are the ones. But, um, you know, all this was most related to heart death. But it wasn't really shocking to me that if you eat bad food, you probably live less long, you know. But, but why uh, is it bad food taste so good? That's, that's a question I have. Why is it the foods that are bad for you, that are sweet, that are fatty, how do we evolve? Is this evolution? I don't want to digress, but uh, it seems to me the healthy foods are not all that tasty. No, I think it got to a point where we know when we started manufacturing it, right? So we that, know that's that key, right? high fructose corn syrup is much sweeter and we like it. So, you know, fried food tastes better. I, I just think it's... So something through evolution made us, even and, kids... And then uh, capitalism babies. came in and they knew that. They and capitalized they, on they this, right? capitalized on it. What do you think about fried fish? you think that's a little bit better or... So we know fish in general should be a part of a health hearty, right. so this health study, healthy diet. Right. So this study you know? also found that you know it was seven percent risk of death with fried fish. So you're so you're, basically you're just taking away any of the health benefits. So anything, yeah. So you make a three. If you fry a Twinkie, you. if you fry French fries, if you fry anything, it, it's it's bad for you and associated with risk of death. Now I'm hoping uh, fried Oreos is still okay, or is that also bad? Fried Oreos is probably bad. It's probably worse. I tell you, they are good. I had them at a fair once, but that's that's for a different story. So. Fried foods, now what if you fry in uh, other types of oils? We know that corn oil, peanut oil, probably not the best. Um, you know, there was a big interest in coconut and coconut oil. Or avocado oil. Absolutely, or some of these oil. other, right. Right, right. The, different oils are different, but I think that speaks more to 
our Western diet, right? So it's high in you know trans fats, sugars, processed foods. Um, you know, also you, white flour on you know right, carbohydrates, flour. right? A lot of processed foods. So and we know that's bad for physical health, obviously, but it's also bad for mental health. So people who eat healthy. But what have, do we suggest? You know, there's anytime diet du jour, right? There's the uh, fruit uh, cleanse diet. There's the South Beach diet. What what you know? You're doing a lot of primary care, internal medicine, educating right. patients. So we know your healthiest diets always include, you know, fruits, vegetables, whole grains, um, and lean proteins like, you know, fish and chicken. Um, you know, things like the Mediterranean-style diet, like, you know, fruits, vegetables, olive oil. And I think the big difference here uh, is that meats, right, meats are such a big part of the Western, especially American diet. Right. But if you look at other parts of the Mediterranean, it's really, meat's only a small portion. Again, it's lean meat, poultry, fish. But the fruits and vegetables become a bigger part of the diet. But you know what's interesting? Someone might say, well, why not just have an all-vegetarian diet? So I'll take a step back and say, you know, being of Indian origin, most people in India are vegetarian. But again, if the foods are fried, as oftentimes they are, right, or, or as a lot of Southeast Asia accompany with... Well, ghee. What is ghee, by the way? I, I'm amazed that you know ghee. I don't know what ghee is. Ghee is clarified butter. Oh. It takes food, tastes so good, but it is by no means overly healthy for you. So we can't ignore the cultural aspects of this. So there is too, cultural right? aspects. If you look at a lot of, especially in Asia, Southeast Asia, and East Asia, every all the food is accompanied by what? Something that's cheap and readily available and grown all over the area. Right, the staple of the culture. Which is rice. Yeah. And it's white rice. And right. I tell you what, white rice tastes great. It's cheap. It's uh, full of calories. So if you're talking about areas that are uh, less uh, have less resources, it's an easy way to provide calories to children especially, as well as adults. But white rice in and of itself has very little nutritional value. Uh, so I, and actually, I think this is important to talk about because, um, you know, we see a diverse group of patients here at Holy Name Medical Center. So uh, different backgrounds. I think this is kind of where this whole idea of cultural competency comes into play. What do you think? I mean, we see so, patients here from all over the world. Uh, and do you sometimes have to take a step back and say, you know, I can give all this diet advice and tell someone to eat fish. But if someone's a vegetarian, that's not going to be helpful. If someone has a traditional diet that has fried foods, and how do you try to change what they grew up on? To a certain extent, right? So you don't want your culture to kill you, right? So at some point, if you're having a meal with your family and mom is just putting rice and fried foods, you know, you have to step back, but you, know, you have to be not disrespectful about it. But you know, your health is ultimately the most important, right? So Yeah, but you know, that whole idea of cultural competent care is so important, something that's ignored in medicine, because we can sit here and talk all day long about various health issues. But then you also have to look at the social issues that are going on, what's happening. That's why it's good to have good relationship with your patients, uh, diving into what's happening at home. And also, again, looking at uh, taking a step back and saying, what's culturally, uh, if you tell uh, someone uh, who, let's say, for instance, is a vegetarian to eat more lean fish and poultry, not only will they not do it, they may get offended that you're telling them it goes against their religion, against their culture, etc. I think that's why it's so important to have culturally competent healthcare. And that's also having, of course, like languages, translation, but also kind of diving deep. And I find it interesting anyway. Interesting diving deep in why is someone eating a certain food? Is there, is there a reason? Is it something they grew up on? Is there a cultural, religious, or other significance, maybe a familial uh, significance to the foods? And once you dive into that and you acknowledge that, but say, hey, look, uh, like you said, you don't want your culture to kill you, they might be more receptive of changing how right, they eat. Right. It's more than just saying, eat this, don't eat that. It's understanding why they eat what they do. And you know, ultimately, a patient's responsible for changing you know, you know They ultimately habits. are, but I, I think as physicians, other healthcare providers, um, if we feel that we want to make a true difference, we have to 
not, it's not enough to just put the onus on the patient. I think we also have to provide a little time. And that's what makes medicine fun for me, I'm sure for you too, is really diving into these issues besides just health, social, cultural, et cetera. And then it's really the way to deliver the best health care we can. Well, thanks for listening. You can find us at holyname.org slash recommended daily dose. We'll catch you next time. In the meantime, stay warm and get your flu shot. Check out recent episodes and learn more about these two modern medicine men and their podcast at holyname.org slash recommended daily dose.